Welcome to Seven Mile Ministry. We hope you enjoy this message. Well, praise the Lord. Just a few months ago, you know, these ladies were more or less running from the Lord and in a bad place in life, and they stand before you this morning not running from the Lord but serving the Lord and sharing their testimony. And uh, everybody's got a testimony, and you should share it. Don't be ashamed of it. Share it. It helps other people, builds them up. I've done rotten things in my life, and I sure am glad we serve a merciful God, that's for sure. If you've been with us, if you haven't been with us, either way, I'll catch you up. We Several weeks we talked about you are what you eat, ultimately. What you put in you. What you put in you, talking about spiritually. We compare it to a natural diet, but what you put in you is what you become. So spiritual diet and eating on good things, feeding on good things is very important. Putting good things in you. Amen? Then, out of your mouth, those words come from your heart. The abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The heart overflows and comes out of your mouth. So you can look at your speech and you can look at a human being's speech and you know what's in their heart. You know what they've been putting in it. And um, so we've been talking about words and how important your words are. They're very important. They're so important that in Proverbs it says that death and life are in the power of your tongue and those who love it will eat its fruit. So death and life are in the power of your tongue. And I don't think, you know, a lot of people don't think that their words are that important. And there's not that much power behind your words. There are power behind your words. Because uh, your words, you can say, Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. And that's the difference in heaven and hell. There's power in your words. You believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth, Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. You accept Him as Christ. There's power in your words. You confess the Word of God. Your words need to line up with His Word. You confess the Word of God, there's power in your words. You can say a word that can hurt somebody for years, that can rip them down, crush them. You know what I'm talking about? You can say hurtful things. Why? Because there's power in your words. Words are powerful. James says that your tongue's like the rudder of a ship, little bitty rudder, big ship. It directs it. It's like a spark to a forest fire, catches it on fire. It's like a bit in a horse's mouth, little bit, big horse. and it, You can direct the horse and make it go where you want. And your tongue's the same way. And what we speak is very important. So death and life are in the power of your tongue. Now, I want to go quickly because I know we're already past 11 o'clock, but uh, I'm not going to, you know, you might might just have to uh, endure for a few minutes. If, If we really believe this scripture, and you should believe it, it's the Word of God. But if we lived our lives like we believed it, that death and life is literally in the power of your tongue, would you say what you say? Would you speak what you speak? Would you let those things come out of your mouth? Death and life is in the power of your tongue. We all say things we shouldn't say, and dang, I shouldn't have said that, and you take, try to reel it back in. I understand that. That happens. I'm talking about making it a part of your everyday vocabulary, your everyday speech. You know people that cuss so much, they don't even know they're cussing. You know what I'm talking about? Just they don't even know they said it. So our words are important. Death and life are right there in your words. And this may not be politically correct, and I'm not here to offend anybody, but I'm not a politician, I'm a preacher. So the title of the sermon today is Don't Kill Yourself. Because you can kill yourself right there with your tongue because you can speak death over your life. You can speak death into your finances. You can speak death into your marriage. You can speak death over your business. You can speak death over 
a host of different things right there with your mouth. You can speak it. You can kill it. You can kill it. Or you can build it up. You can speak life into it. So let's speak life and let's don't speak death. But what we're looking at today is uh, a few things here. Um, how we use our tongue and we do speak death. And we don't need to do that. So in Isaiah, the 59th chapter, the first verse. Behold, the Lord's hands not shortened, that it cannot save, nor is his ear heavy, that it cannot hear. That's a popular scripture. You've heard people say, He hears you, and his arm's not too short. You've heard people say that before. This is where it comes from. Another popular scripture, right there, the next, next one. But your iniquities have separated you from God, and your sins have hidden his face from you, so that he will not hear. Not that he cannot hear, but he will not hear. So the answer to Scripture, uh, verse 1 and 2, lies in verse 3. Why? The question is why. Why is, for your hands are defiled with blood and your fingers with iniquity. And get this right here. Your lips have spoken lied. Your tongue has uh, muttered perversity. And that's what we're focusing on this morning is our lips, our tongue, what we're speaking, what we're saying. He's far from you. Why? Because of your lips. Because of your tongue. And if you've got a problem in money, morals, or uh, marriage, the three M's, Proverbs is a good place to hang out. It's a good place to hang out. So, he says um, in Proverbs, the, let's see, sixth chapter right here. We'll get rolling. These six things the Lord hates. Yes, seven are an abomination to Him. A proud look, a lying tongue. There's one of the seven, a lying tongue. Hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devices uh, wicked plans, feet that are swift in running to evil, a false witness, there's two, who speaks lies, one who soars discord among the brethren, three. So three of the seven all have something to do with your tongue right there. <clears throat> in Proverbs, like I said, money, morals, and marriage. There's, Proverbs is full of... Of, of good stuff right there for those those things right there. Proverbs the 12th chapter, the 22nd verse. Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but those who deal truthfully are His delight. So lying lips are an abomination to the Lord. These things are an abomination, and these things are, de- are detestable to Him. So the word abomination is kind of like, uh, there's a word for sin in the Greek called hemartino, and it means you missed the mark. It's just like shooting a gun, and you've missed the mark, so you need to realign, re-aim, adjust your scope, adjust your sights, and, and fire again. You've missed the mark. You've, you're off the mark. And the abomination comes from the word detestable. Actually, the root word is idolatrous. But abomination uh, is something that's detestable to God. And um, here, here's, here's what happens when you start lying. And that's what the first thing we'll talk about right there is lying out of these these. This list right here, we're going to go through it quickly. The first thing is talking about lying. And why doesn't God like lying? Because He doesn't lie. Not only does He like the truth, but He is truth. He literally is truth. So when you choose to tell a lie, you're leaving the throne of truth and you're coming over here to the throne of lies. Therefore, you're, leaning, you're leaving the throne of God and you're coming over here to the throne of Satan. That's why He didn't like it. It's against His nature. That's why he doesn't like lying. And you know people that, that get caught in lying? Anybody know any liars? Are there any liars here? There's some liars here? Any in the balcony? Okay. None. Good thing. 
We're just full of saints this morning. But anyway, I'm kidding. I didn't expect anybody to raise their hand. I mean, if we're being honest, I know my mother, she'd have raised her hand. <laughs> I'm just messing with her. But you know, people that lie, but they, 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 they uh, work hard on getting better at lying. Like they got caught lying, so they got to become better liars. And I've known people before that lied so good, they lied so good, that I knew 100% without a shadow of a doubt that they were lying, but they lied so good I wanted to believe them. Because they could tell that lie so good. Y'all know what I'm talking about? And then people get to lying and get to lying and get to lying, and it becomes a stronghold in their life. It becomes a habit they can't break. I know the little kid that used to live near me, I've moved now. He started lying when he was a little bitty fella. And I guess his parents may have thought it was funny that he was making up all these lies. But now he's a teenage boy, probably 16 years old or so. He lies so much. Everything that comes out of his mouth, lying, lying. It's become a stronghold in his life. He lies so much, he, he just lives a lie. You tell lies to cover up lies. And it, it will become a stronghold in your life and uh, be a habit that's hard to break. So I'll say this, if you have a problem with lying, or let's just say stretching the truth. Some people just say, well, I just stretch the truth. I just elaborate a little bit. Um, tell somebody. Find somebody and say, hey, I've got a little problem. I've been uh, exaggerating a little bit. And they're probably going to look at you and say, no kidding. But you say, I want you to hold me accountable. And that, uh, the word accountable is a word that people just throws around all the time. But it's not just accountable. You've got to become accountable and correctable. So when somebody says, hey, you asked me to hold you accountable, you said this. You've got to be able to receive the correction. Amen? Become accountable and become correctable. I remember just when I was a young man, and there was a preacher telling a story. I was just about, uh, I don't know, 10 maybe, 11 8, 10, 11, 12, I was a little fellow, and the man preaching was telling a story. It had to do with me of some events that had happened like the week before. And as I sat there in service and listened to him tell the story, he told a lot of things that never happened. They weren't true. He just kind of added to it and kind of spiced it up, but it was lies. See, preachers call it expounding, but God says, no, it ain't expounding, it's a lie. It's a lie. So preachers do the same thing too. Amen. Not your preacher, though. So the first thing's lying. Um, don't do it. Don't do it. Let's see where we're going right here for the uh, on time. Let's see. We'll, the second thing right there on our list will be sowing discord. Sowing discord. <clears throat> Proverbs the sixth chapter twelfth verse. A worthless person, a wicked man, walks with a perverse mouth. He winks with his eyes, he shuffles his feet, he points his fingers. Perversity is in his heart. He devises evil continually and he sows discord. He sows discord. Therefore his calamity shall come suddenly. Suddenly he shall be broken without remedy. So you see right there, there's sowing and there's reaping. He's sowing discord, he's reaping calamity. See, your works come from your words. Y'all get that? Your works come from your words. So, so many people focus on their works, but they don't change their words. But if you'll focus on your words, your works will change because they're going to line up with your words. 
Amen. That's what the Scripture basically just said right here. So sowing discord, for an example, I could give many examples. But let's just say your friend comes to you. He tells you him and his wife's having a little trouble. Let's just say you're a man. Another man comes to you and says, hey, my wife, this, that, and the other. I think I'm just going to divorce her. Maybe the child support won't be too bad. Maybe I can stay with you for a while. Maybe I've got arrangements this way or the other. And yeah, we're just not getting along. or We're drifting apart. Or she's just crazy. She spends all the money or whatever. If you don't try to bring... If you, as a born-again Christian believer, if you don't try to bring unity into that marriage, you're so in discord. If you say, yeah, man... I'd kick her to the curb, or I'd put him out, or whatever it is, you're sowing discord, and you're going to reap calamity. You always need to bring uh, unity into the marriage. One time I had a friend of mine, this is before I was even living for the Lord, really, but he came to me, he told me all his marriage problems, and he's going to divorce her. And I said, you do not need to divorce her, you all need to work it out. And I told him the best thing that I, what little bit I knew to tell him, I tried, I talked him into staying with her. And then years later, he's got two kids, and they're fussing and fighting. And he said, now I can't divorce her because i got these kids. I have to pay child to support, and it's all your fault. If you hadn't taught me to stand with her, I'd divorce her years ago. Anyway, I thought that was funny. Bad joke. But they're happily married now. They've got three kids. The third thing right here is you can use your tongue to... Um, Speak death into your life is um, gossip. Gossip. Spreading intimate or private rumors or facts is the definition of gossip. And I used to always think gossip was just making stuff up. But no, spreading intimate or private rumors or facts. Proverbs says a gossip betrays a confidence. So avoid anyone who talks too much. You ever been around somebody just won't shut up? I was around one of them yesterday. Couldn't wait to go home. Second Corinthians two, uh, twelve, chapter twentieth, verse. For I'm afraid that when I come, I won't. This is Paul speaking to the church. He's saying, "I'm afraid. I, I, I'm actually concerned that when I show up there, that I'm not going to like what I find, and you're not going to like my response because I'm going to be pretty hot." And I'm going to tell you like it is. I'm not going to be politically correct, but I'm going to hit you out between the eyes with it. He says, I'm afraid that I'll find quarreling, jealousy, anger, selfishness, slander, gossip, arrogance, and disorderly behavior. You know, he didn't say he's afraid he's going to find a bunch of drug abusers or a, a long list of other things. You notice everything he said he's afraid he's going to find right here. Quarreling, that's to do with your mouth. Uh, getting angry. Uh, slander, gossiping, arrogance, that's with your mouth, disorderly behavior. All these things right here, he's speaking of, the majority of them have to do with your mouth. He said, he's basically saying, when I get there, I'm afraid I'm not going to like your speech. I'm not going to like what I hear and, and see the way you're talking. There shouldn't be gossip in the church. Um, here's the way church people would disguise gossip is they go up to somebody and they say, i got to tell you something. I probably shouldn't tell you. But I'm only telling you for one reason. And that's so you will pray. I'm only telling you so you'll pray. Well, next time you do that, ask yourself the question, am I praying? 
Am I burdened for this person? Is my heart broken for this person? If you're not praying for them, if your heart's not broken for them, if you're not burdened for them, you probably shouldn't go tell anybody. You're gonna go tell. You're not going to tell them because you want to pray. You just want to tell somebody so bad because you you the church news reporter. That's run a whole lot of people off from church, and we disguise it saying we're just going to tell you just so you can pray. Amen. Church should be a safe place to tell people things and to share things, and not to be spreading rumors, not to be spreading things. I knew this lady one time. And she would tell me these things. Now I'd hear, I would hear her tell other people things. And so one day I said, How? It, was, it was things about the church. This one particular lady knew all these really private details about this church. I mean, dirty details about people's lives. And she knew all of it about all these people. So one day I had to ask, where do you receive your information? And she said, well, I... I get it from the pastor's wife. Because people come and tell the pastor, he tells his wife, she tells me. And I just tell everybody. Now everybody knows. Anyway, I know nobody here does that. I'm just preaching to the wall over there. Moving forward. So the next one, slander. Slander. Slander is a false, false or malicious statement or report about someone. Let not a slander be established in the earth. Let evil hunt the violent man to overthrow him. Don't let us, not only don't let the slander be established in the earth, but evil's going to hunt you down. Every day of your life, evil's going to hunt you down. Do not let a slander be established in the earth. That's pretty strong. You may say, I would never ever do that. Well, here's what that is. That's passing on reports and you don't even know if they're true or not. Well, I read it on Facebook. I read it on the internet. It's got to be true. They put it on the internet. In other words, let's just use uh, two men that are homosexuals for an example. Do you think they're gay? Well, you've heard people say, well, they're gay. They're gay. They're gay. They're gay. Do you, Red, do you think they're gay? Well, I may, I may think to myself, it certainly appears that they are just by looking at them. But I've not seen them kiss each other. So unless I've seen it with my own eyeballs, I don't know. So what I'm saying is when somebody else tells you something, but did you see it yourself? Did you hear it yourself? Or are you just passing on something that you heard from somebody else, that they got from somebody else, that they got from somebody else? And it started off with a splinter, but by the time it got back around to you, their leg had got chopped off. You know what I'm talking about. You need to see it for yourself and hear it for yourself before you speak it. And then after you see it and after you, you hear it, you, you need to use some uh, godly wisdom whether you should speak it or not. Amen. Psalms 140, the 11th chapter, 11th verse. Did I read that? I did read that. Let's see right here. Proverbs. Whoever hides hatred has lying lips, and whoever spreads slander is a fool. He's saying if you spread slander, if you do this, if you do these things, if you're spreading these facts, the Bible says you're a fool. A fool. Don't be a fool. But now I'm writing to you. This is Paul again. That you must not associate with anyone who claims to be a brother or sister. In other words... if this person says, hey, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian. 
But a sexually immoral, greedy, an idolater, or a slanderer, or a drunkard or slanderer, don't even eat with such a person. So if this person says, I'm a Christian, but we're focused on this one thing right here, and it, but it's in the list of all these other things that we all think are so much worse, but it slanders right there in the middle of it. He said, don't even eat lunch with this person. One reason, if you eat lunch with them and you say, you say one thing, they may take it and run and change it to something else and add on to it. Don't even hang around with them. Don't even be around them. Now, are you supposed to go eat with sinners? Absolutely. That's why it specifically says a person who says, hey, I'm a Christian, but I'm going to go out and spread slander all over town. There's a difference. So anyway, the point to that is, just, uh, don't give bad reports about people. Even if you know they're true. Who are you to give bad reports about people? Who am I to give bad reports about people? To go around and slander somebody or make internet posts, Facebook posts, public uh, social media posts, all those things. Who in the world are, are, are we to do that? Especially about other ministries. I'll go a step further. Don't be bashing other ministries. You might not like what, what they preach and I might not either. I see plenty of stuff on television. I hear plenty of stuff and I turn it off pretty quickly. I do give it a chance and listen to it. But I'm not going to use the pulpit to tell you how bad this church is or that church is or that ministry over there or bash other... I'm not going to do that. We're going to use this pulpit right here to preach the Word of God. But let me tell you, there are a lot of churches that use their pulpit and they they'll preach a 30 or 45 minute message on how bad the other church down the street is or that denomination is or that person on TV is. Don't do that. Don't talk about about other ministries. Just zip those lips right on up. And you may say, I don't like that church. So I'm not going to go there. Well, that's your business. There's a lot of churches I don't like, and that's why I go here. The next one on our list there is tailbearer. Tailbearer reveals secrets or breaking confidence. <coughs> Excuse me. A tailbearer reveals secrets. But he who is faithful, as a faithful spirit, conceals a matter, reveals a matter, break, reveals secrets or breaking confidence. When you tell somebody something, and then they go and spread it all over town. Um, Proverbs basically tells us right here. Um, if you, have a, if you have a faithful spirit, you're going to conceal the matter. Church should be the safest place that you can open your mouth and, and tell somebody your problems. But the problem is, in, in lots of churches in the past, and people in here have been hurt before by this very thing, you know exactly what I'm talking about. But you've confided in somebody, maybe it was a pastor's wife. But then you heard from Sister Susie, but she knows what she told the pastor's wife, and you ain't told nobody but the pastor's wife. How'd Sister Susie know about it? Well, she heard it from Sister Joyce. She heard it from Sister Becky. She heard it from Brother Bobby and so on and so forth. But it came from the pastor's wife, and it hurt you because you confided in them. And so you ran. Now you're at another church, and you won't dare open your mouth. You're not going to tell anybody your problems. You don't want an accountability problem, a, a accountability partner. Because you're not going to open your mouth. Because the last time you opened your mouth... They, they spread it all over the church and told everybody. I know they were praying. James, the fifth chapter says, Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. 
you confess your sins to Jesus Christ that you'll be saved. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. I wonder how many people are in the church today, not this church, the church of America, the church of... How many people are in the church today that are sick because they haven't fulfilled this scripture because they're afraid to because the last time they opened their mouth in a church, it got spread all over the place. Think about it. Here's the deal. When you know something about somebody, that gives you power. When you know something about somebody... That gives you power. And character, the definition of character is having power and using it wisely. And sometimes God don't give you any power because you haven't got the character to use it wisely. Amen? This is a real encouraging message, isn't it? Y'all were all encouraged. They danced and got some, and then now I'm just crushing it. No, I'm not crushing it. I'm just pointing out we need to... This tongue right here, this mouth, life and death right here, it's very important. What you say is very important. Excuse me. Okay, we're moving. Six. Um, Cursing. Cursing. Romans, the third chapter, the 13th verse. Their throat is an open tomb. With their tongues they practice deceit, and the poison of asp or vipers is under their lips whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. And here's one thing I've thought about and thought about and thought about. And when there's cursing, when people are cursing, uh, there's usually a bitter root. There's usually some bitterness down in there because something's happened in the past, something's happening currently, and there's a bitter root in there. And usually the cursing comes from that bitter root. But here's what I want you to know. Here's what you need to think about. And you may not have ever thought about this. This is pretty deep. Now get ready. But when you curse... You curse. When you curse, you curse. You're literally cursing. When you say a curse word, it's not just a curse word, but you're actually speaking death. You're actually speaking a curse. So when you do curse, they're tied together. When you curse, you curse. This mouth right here should be speaking blessings, not cursings. It should be speaking life and not death. It should be speaking blessings. See this same mouth right here. The Bible says it shouldn't be speaking blessings and cursings. You're just like an unstable man. You're this way, you're that way. It's kind of confusing too for people when they're around a Christian who's speaking blessings on Sunday then Monday through Saturday cursings are coming out. The only difference between him and you is you go to church on Sunday morning. So when you curse, you curse. Why in the world would you want to curse anyway? Why would you want to curse your marriage? It's already, you're already struggling anyway. Why do you want to curse your checkbook? There ain't no money in the account. It's already having some problems as it is. You certainly don't need to be cursing that thing. And why would you want to curse your business? I know a fellow who cursed himself straight out of business. He cursed so bad people wouldn't even come to his business. Wouldn't even come there and do business because the cursing was so bad they couldn't even stand to be around. He, he literally cursed himself out of business. That mouth of his cursed himself out of, his, out of business. And we think about different curse words, and there's a long list, but um, the word damn, which really means eternal damnation, that's where the word comes from. And um, I had this buddy, we, didn't, we don't talk all the time, but we, we should hang around pretty good bit. And he was a good fellow, he's a good man. He didn't curse, he didn't talk ugly, he didn't tell bad jokes, he, he's just a good, 
Christian man, good example for others. Did the youth at his church up there where he lives. <clears throat> we didn't talk often, so about a year or so went by, and I, I got on the phone with him. And I said, um, you know, hey, what, what, what you doing nowadays? What's going on? And he said, well, I got a new job. And I said, oh, really? I said, well, what you doing? He said, I'm a damn inspector. And I said, I've never heard him talk like that. And I said, excuse me? And he said, I'm a damn inspector. And I said, what are you inspecting? He said, dams. Literally, I go into coal mines, and I have to sit there all day and watch them build dams. I'm a dam inspector. I inspect dams all day long. Anyway, I thought it was funny. He got me. But here, here's one. Listen, if you have a problem in the area of, of, of cussing, I got a scripture right here. If this one doesn't cure you, then after church we're going to walk you out in 31 in front of a truck right there and get it over with. As he loved cursing, so let it come to him. As he did not delight in blessing, let it be far from him. He loved cursing. Psalm 109.17 You love it? Let it come to him. He didn't delight in speaking blessings, so let it be far from you. As, as he clothed himself with cursing, as with his garment, so it, let it enter his body like water and uh, like oil into his bones. You ever mix oil and water together? They don't mix. They don't mix together. Blessings and cursings don't mix together. You can't speak blessings. Uh, you can't speak cursings and expect blessings to be coming. You can't go around all the time cursing, speaking cursings over your life and cursing this and cursing that and having it part of your language and then wondering, where, where's all the blessings at? Why, why aren't the gates of heaven opened up and flooding out on me? Well, it's, it's in your speech. It's in your language. Why would you expect blessings when you're speaking curses? And like the scripture says, it's like oil and water. They don't mix. We, 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 we're moving on here. Blasphemy. Blaspheming. To use God's name in vain. Everybody pretty much knows that. One of the commandments. Exodus 27. You should not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. The Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. And that's using the Lord's name in vain. Cursing. Y'all know what that is. Some people in here have said it. Some, everybody in here has heard it. You can't, you can't help but hear it because people cuss. Wherever you go, people cuss. But I can honestly say when I hear it, the hair on the back of my neck stands up. Like I don't like it. Whatsoever at all, I like to get away from the person that's using that word, and I, do, I will not work around them. I will not be around them. That won't happen because I don't like it. Period. It creeps me out. Like it major creeps me out. It should creep you out. If that word can come out of your mouth and it doesn't bother you, you need to ask Jesus to come into your heart. I have concerns that He's not there. I'm serious. You shouldn't take the Lord's name in vain. And I think everybody here knows that. But there's another way that you can use God's name in vain. It's in a self-serving way. It's to get what you want. It's to get what you want. God told me, I want to buy the car you've got for sale and you're asking 5000 But I prayed and God told me to tell you to sell it to me for 4000 But God didn't tell him though. That's the problem. 
That's using God's name in a self-serving way. If you really want to leave a church because your friends are going to that church or whatever, or, or there's some reason why, and you say, well, I prayed and the Lord set me free, and He told me I could just go into that church. Well, maybe He did, but maybe He didn't. Maybe you just said that to give yourself an excuse to leave. That's using God's name in a self-serving way. I know a man that goes around prophesying to people all the time, and he prophesied to a very, very good friend of mine, my friend had a little problem going on in his life. Things weren't looking good with some of his loved ones. And he asked a few people to pray for this specific specific person. And this man spoke up and he said, he has a word from the Lord. He says, you got nothing to worry about. Everything's going to be fine. That's basically saying that straight from the throne room of heaven because it's a word from the Lord. And you know what? Everything wasn't fine. Actually, things got a whole lot worse. And so when he confronted the man, he said, you lied to me. You know what the man did? He used God's name in a self-serving way. Hey, look at me, I'm a prophet, and this is what the Lord told me. That's using God's name in a self-serving way. You should never get behind a pulpit. You should never be at Jack's. You should never be at your home. You should never be anywhere and say, hey, God told me to tell you this, or God told me to do this, if God did not tell you to do it or to say it. Do we miss it? Do we make mistakes? Of course. You know, we had somebody here contemplating suicide. God told me to speak up and say something. Did you think I wanted to do it? No, because I thought everybody's going to think I'm crazy because nobody in here is contemplating suicide. God gave me a word. I spoke it. A man was contemplating suicide. He got set free. See, that's a word from the Lord. I would never make anything like that up. What in the world? Who in the world would? People do. Self-serving way. Contentious, uh, let's see, where are we at? Filthy language, filthy language. Now we know uh, about the Lord's name in vain. Let's look at this right here. But now yourselves are put off all these um, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Put all this out of your mouth. Well, first of all, if it's coming out of your mouth, that's because it's in your heart. So it starts with the heart. It's actually a heart condition. And what this means is, he says... Put off all these things. There, there should be a difference. There should be a difference at your work. There should be a difference at your school. There should be a difference. There should be a difference. Your mouth shouldn't be speaking these things. People should be able to tell a difference about, between you and everyone else. He says, come out from among them and be separate, not to go in amongst them and be the same. Y'all with me? There should be a difference. Where you work, people should notice a difference. If you say you're a Christian, there should be a difference between you and the world. And they can tell the difference right there with your mouth. We were riding home from a ball game late last night and I was talking to one of my sons and I was saying, you know, when I was in high school, I didn't go around preaching to anybody. I didn't. There wasn't a fellowship of Christian athletes. I wasn't a part of any of that. But I did have a lot of kids in school that came up to me and they would tell me their problems and ask me what they should do. And I'm just a kid myself. I'm at 15, 16, 17 years old and I never knew why. They came up and told me their problems. And I, it wasn't until later in life I realized the main difference between me and other people I went to school with, I didn't cuss. I did not cuss. I didn't cuss. There was a difference. When you're at a, a job site and there's a bunch of men and everybody's cussing, but there's this one man, he, he, he never cusses. He never tells dirty jokes. He never looks at a girl and tells you uh, some things he shouldn't be saying about her. In other words, you, his mouth's different than everybody else's. 
And somebody brought it up and, and was talking about Mr. Larry last week in Sunday school about him just being, just being different and, and setting the standard real high. That's how he sets the standard high. When he goes out on the job site, he doesn't participate in that foolishness. He is different. He is what you call a Christian. So now when the person on the job site or somebody around that's, that knows him, when they're having a hard time in life, who are they going to go to? All those or that one different guy? They're going to want that that one different guy because they're going to want what he's got because he's different. There's something on the inside of him that's a little different than what's on the inside of everybody else. Amen or oh me, either way. But we're supposed to be different. Amen? And we got two more and we're wrapping up. Hey, I mean, I got six, I got 14 minutes. We're good. Is it 12 o'clock? The anointing lives, church must stop. <laughs> contentious speech. The definition of contentious speech. Hurtful, hateful, malicious, disagreeable, and argumentative. Proverbs 21.9 Better to live on a corner of a roof than to share a house with a quarrelsome wife. Some of y'all shouldn't have amen. Y'all going to be in trouble when you leave. It's better to live on a corner of a roof than the house with a quarrelsome wife. You know what? It's hot on the roof. After church, go climb up on one. See how much you like it. And in the wintertime, it's cold up there. It's hotter. And there ain't nothing good about it. I've been on quite a few myself. This summer, you can't even touch the things because it'll burn your skin. It hurts. But it's saying it'd be better to be up there on the roof than to be in a house with a quarrelsome wife. A wife that's uh, <clears throat> always wanting to disagree, wanting to argue. You know what I'm talking about. That's okay. Hold up. We got another one. As charcoal is the burning coals and wood to fire, so is a contentious man to kindle strife. It's just like prodding a bear. Wood to the fire. A contentious man to... To kindle strife. You know what? This list here, hurtful, hateful, malicious, disagreeable, argumentative. Here's one thing you just got to do. You just got to refuse to argue. If your wife likes to argue, if your husband likes to argue, that don't mean you have to argue. Just don't say nothing. Just let them argue to the wall. Just let them argue to whoever they want to argue. Don't get in the argument. Just let them, just, they, sometimes they got something to say. Let them say it. Don't, don't, don't argue. Don't get in an argument. Have you ever got in an argument and walked away and said, yeah, got something accomplished? Why, no. You get into an argument and you part ways and then you separate and you move out and you get divorces and you, you, you lose your friends and things of that nature. Don't argue. Don't argue. That's a tough thing to do because you want to give them a what for, don't you? You want them to know you're right and they're wrong. You've got to refuse to argue. You know what? Here's one thing I want you to know. You start arguing... Arguing and arguing. You know the people that always want to be right. You know there's people that want to disagree with everything. Everything. Disagree with everything. I think, I got what's one friend, he'll disagree with things I even think he agrees with. Seriously. He just likes to argue. He's a good friend. I love him. I do anything in the world for him. <clears throat> He's not here today. He doesn't go to church here. So it's none of you. I'm not going to call you out. 
But he'll argue at anything. I even get to a point sometimes where I dread to even bring up things because I know he's fixing to counter back with the argument. And um, when you go out and practice baseball, we got a batting cage in our backyard, and we go out there and we hit the ball because we're trying to develop something. We're trying to get better. You're developing some skills. You can go to your job site, and somebody, a man there is maybe it's a little older, a woman there is a little older, and she's going to teach you some things. She's developing your skills so that you get better at your job, right? You're better on the computer. You're better building this or doing that. Developing your skills. You argue and argue and argue, and you know what you're doing? You're developing your skills. You're developing a contentious spirit. You're developing an argumentative spirit. And the last thing here, and we'll close with this. So, Anna, if you want to come on up, you can. Is unbelief. Unbelief. Speaking doubt, speaking negativity. In Hebrews, the third chapter, it says, Beware, brethren. Lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief and departing from the living God. That, that hit me this, this morning as I was reading that. I had to stop and reread it. Lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief. An evil heart of unbelief. Unbelief. Evil heart. But exhort to one another daily, while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. We need to be speaking words that build up. We need to be speaking life. Amen? And he's talking about unbelief. It's coming from an evil heart. Speaking unbelief. Speaking death. Unbelief. Doubt and unbelief. We need to be speaking words that build us up. And I think about this. The twelve spies. God said, this is your promised land. Go in and take it. Go in and possess it. He specifically says, go in and possess it. Go in and take it. It's there. So these 12 spies go into the land. And most of you know the story. Some of you don't. They sent these 12 spies to spy out the land that God promised them hundreds of years ago. And He says, it's yours. Go in and possess it. That's all they had to do was go in and possess it. Because it was theirs. There was giants in the land. The spies came back. Twelve spies went in. Ten came back and said, there's giants in the land. And they're big. Yeah, they're big. Because Goliath's ancestors, you know where they lived? His kinfolks. That's where they lived. They were a giant. And God put them there for a reason. And I'll tell you why He put them there. So nobody could take that land without Him. And I'll tell you another reason why. Because he said, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to give you houses that you didn't build. You're going to eat from vineyards, from gardens you didn't plant. In other words, you're going to watch a big screen TV that you didn't buy. And you're going to drive a Cadillac that you didn't buy it either. And you're going to eat from a garden. You're going to, you got a public gift card that you didn't pay for. You'll get your groceries. Why did he put giants in there? You ever seen a giant with an eight-foot ceiling? No, they're nine feet tall. They had 12 or 15 foot ceilings. God blessed them with houses, huge houses, giant beds, huge TVs, tall ceilings. In other words, it was a blessing. But these spies came back and said, well, I know God said that it was ours, but there's some big old boys over there. There's some big giants. And compared to them, we're just like grasshoppers in their eyes. 
That's unbelief. That's speaking unbelief. But two people said this. They said, no. They said, you know, those, those guys, they are big. But our God's bigger. There's a difference in their speech. Do you understand what I'm saying? Ten came back with a negative report. None of them denied the facts. Say, well, I'm just being real. I'm just putting, I'm just bringing a little realism into the situation. You've heard people say, I'm just being real. In other words, God promised me this. I know His, His word says this, but I'm just being real. Well, this is real. In this word, it doesn't get any more real than this. And what God says is real. Thank you for listening to this message from Seven Mile Ministry. 